Women, I think, oftentimes get to a point when you're like, I don't have enough fucks to give. I've given so many for so long because I'm putting so much energy into worrying about what that girl over there is doing or what she has, rather than just focusing on myself, doing my thing, and being super happy for her. Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Hey, baby cakes. We talking about eating pussy? Put my dick in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. So we covered a lot of ground in today's show. It was uh, kind of a random Sunday morning record, but I wanted to make sure we got a final show in for 2019 before I change all this shit up. We took some hot cues. We did some great Q&As, and we talked about... Having different parts of our personality and accepting all aspects of ourselves. Yeah, a little walk down memory lane to high school days. We did. When you were hoeing it up. Hoeing it up on the <laughs> corner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else did we talk about? Being scared. What we're scared of. Yeah. Um, our new adventures coming up. Yeah. Curiosity. This is a really cool episode. We do a little, little chat at the beginning, uh, get everyone up to date on what's happening, but really get into, um, lots of stuff about me that I haven't really necessarily shared, which was the point. I just wanted to share a little bit more of myself with everyone and and talk about some things that we don't usually cover on this show. Kel dog exposed. (laughs) That's what I should call the podcast. Kelly exposed. (laughs) That sounds like a, a porn or something. Yeah, it does. I don't know. Let's not do that. I don't need Expose yourself to these people, Kelly. All over the. Never tell you about the time when I was. I was. Uh, we were talking about business when I was a uh, strength and conditioning coach, and um, I was talking about what I wanted to do as far as like philanthropy and like working as a like volunteering. And I was just talking about weightlifting and how important it was for like kids and underprivileged kids especially. And I was like, I really just want to expose myself to children. <laughs> No. <laughs> it was like me and two other guys. It was me and Mike Bledsoe and I think oh, his no. other business partner. They were like, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I mean, not like, oh, fuck. I just yeah, want to coach kids win. in weightlifting. I'm sorry. I, I said that in a really weird way. I don't know why it came out of me oh, that way. Doesn't that suck when you have the best intention and it comes out so inappropriate and you're like, I can't, I just literally can't yeah. do anything now. I don't have like voyeurism with <laughs> I used to do that when I was on TV and we would always have like sexual innuendos accidentally talking about sports. Oh my God. And your producer would be in your ear laughing so hard. Like, did you just fucking say that on air? And you're just bright red on live TV and you can't take it back. You can't ever take it back. Nope. You can't. Um, also if you guys have not yet gotten on the phone with us about coming to our retreat in March you better of hurry. 2020, you better hurry because we're about halfway booked up. We had two people sign up yesterday. Yeah. So, also- um, halfway about 10 spots left. Um, and we would really love to have you for three nights of ayahuasca and such a beautiful Six experience. Days at yeah. Soltara. So cool. Um, and we have a really, really amazing group of people coming. I'm so excited. Every time I get on the phone with one of the people, I'm just like, wow, you guys are so impressive. Yeah. And it's fun because they listen to both of our shows. They're very connected to us and our community. And it's just a lot of like-minded people looking for uh, expansion and growth and honesty in their own lives. And it's going to be a really, really cool week. So yeah, the, mo- the most common thing I hear is, I've been wanting to do this for a while, mm-hmm. but I just haven't found like the right group of people or the right place to go do it. Yeah, you know, and that's one thing I love about Costa Rica is that it's so much more accessible. It's so beautiful, and the people are the people in Costa Rica are just so sweet. Yeah, across the board. Yeah, it's so it's really it's special. it's really really cool. And the and the the group that comes is just uh, the fact that we all have something in common, whether it be the podcast or Instagram or whatever it is. I you would gravitate to those things for a certain reason and getting a community together around that, especially to do some deep work like that is, is, is something really special. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to come go to get the realness.com slash realness dash retreat, 
get us your email. We'll um, get you all the info to sign up for a call with either Connor or myself um, so that you guys can join us and, and ask us any questions that you have. Perfect. All Let's right. do this thing. Should we get to it? Let's do it. See, Daddy. Kel Dog Extreme. What's up? Hey. Welcome to Kelly's show, everybody. Last Welcome. show of 2019. Yes. And then everything's changing. <laughs> everything, is, everything is changing. Everything is changing. That's kind of the thing. Also, yeah. just a precursor. I feel like dog shit because I'm on my period and my hormones are going crazy in yeah. my body. It's been very interesting to watch you. I have like, had, let me just tell people what the last 48 hours has been like for me. I got a colonic, not my first one, but... I think I had like four or five when I was in LA with this amazing woman named Lee. If you are listening to this and you want to get a colonic in LA, message me. I'll give you her info. She is the most incredible. She does sound healing and she channels and she do all that while she's putting water in your butt. (laughs) She's so wonderful. She's this amazing Hawaiian healer. I love her. Anyway, so I puts the Aloha spirit inside of you. (laughs) Literally inside of you. I saw her deep inside of you. And I've just been feeling like I wanted to do a little bit of a detox cleanse before Mm -hmm. year and, and whatnot. And so I saw this woman who's really sweet and wonderful, but my clonic experience was more painful and I had like horrible, horrible bloating and it was so painful. I, we got really high and I was like super high in the middle of the night, like in so much pain. I thought I was dying. I almost told you we need to go to the emergency room because I was in so much pain. I didn't know what to do. And you were like, I was like, in so much pain, rubbing my stomach. I'm like, why isn't Connor paying attention to me? Doesn't he hear me? I'm like moaning so loud and come to find out you think I'm like masturbating and having an orgasm next to you. <laughs> yeah. So I was, we had, we had, uh, we had, we had gotten some uh, medicinal herb from that the, herb. from, we got some good, herb good. and I was like halfway, I was in that, I was in that middle state between awake and asleep. Right. Where I was like mostly asleep. I would say 60, 40 asleep to awake <laughs> ratio. And, um, and I was laying there and I was like, am I dreaming about Kelly having an orgasm right now? <laughs> and then, and then I heard you say, would you say, you're like, don't do you, you not hear, the- hear me dying over here? I'm in so much pain. And you immediately popped up and you're like, Oh baby, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? What can I do? And you were like rubbing my stomach. You were so sweet. Yeah. But that was not what I was like, like oh, yeah. this is not an orgasm. I was like, no, this is not my fantasies. This is, this is reality. This is very bad. Yeah. So anyways, I spent like the whole night up in writhing pain. I think it's the worst pain I've ever been in. And then Saturday morning I started my period. So all day yesterday, so many cramps up all night last night with cramps and basically bleeding to death. So it's just been like a really rough 40 hours yeah. for me over here. You're looking, you're holding it together pretty well. Do I look okay? Yeah, you look fine. Oh, and... This is an abrupt change of topic here, but we went and saw puppies yesterday because we're getting a new dog. Yeah. And Connor took me to this amazing place. Um, These people are so wonderful and they have all these beautiful puppies and we actually show up and one of the other moms, not from our litter, but another mom is giving birth. And so we got to watch two births. And unfortunately the first one, the baby was stillborn and it was so sad. Like, Oh my God, my heart. I can't even think about it in my head. It was such a horrible vision. And then we, an hour and a half later, watched a baby that was totally healthy born and it was such a cute puppy and it was so sweet, but Holy shit. That was a really sad moment. Yeah. That was sad. Oh, I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. I don't think we weren't, I don't think we were prepared to see births at all that day, No, but yeah, we, I've been wanting another puppy. Dutch is eight and a half. He's, he's getting to grumpy old man status. Just with you. He loves me. Yeah. He's grumpy with me. He doesn't like, he's not as playful and I wanted a new dog and I've had an obsession with these German wire hair pointers. So I was like, finally found a person in Denver and they had 11 puppies. One of their, one of their dogs had, had, had 12, they lost one. Um, but I mean, they have, you know, they have those big litters. Like it's pretty common. You're going to lose one at it's least so out of each common. litter. Well, and so the mom that was giving birth yesterday, she, they actually had to do artificial insemination, which I didn't yeah. even know you and it was her, dogs. Well, it's her first, it her first litter. Yeah. That's how my Dutch's daughter, my parents' dog is, was, he couldn't get it in. 
Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. They had to do it. They had to go to the vet and do it. It's pretty simple. Oh. But um, she only had three puppies, so it's, yeah. it's a highly variable. And that the one that had lost the lost the puppy had, I think they said five or six in the ultrasound. Yeah. But that's what this guy this guy breeds hunting dogs, and um, and so they have a lot of puppies running around mm-hmm. at any given time, but. Yeah. Uh, that was super, super sad. It was. it was her first puppy she'd ever had. That was her first litter too. Yeah, so she was like, she didn't really know what to do, but it was really, it was really amazing whenever the one, cause they, you know, they lick, they lick them clean and they, they kind of rough them up a little bit. And the dogs, when the one that was the healthy one came out, it was so cute. It was, it was like, so came out in this little paws were like everywhere. And it was like yawning and covered in goo. And the mom was like trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. Cause it was her first, that was her first living puppy. And she was, they yeah. were trying to like coach her on how to you know, reward her for being sweet and, and trying to get it on the tit, which is just like seeing little puppies nurse for the first time and they get like oh. frothy milk all over their face. <laughs> well, and then our litter, we got to watch all of them nursing yeah. and that pup, that mom is so sweet. Yeah. So we get around my birthday time, right after our mountain retreat, uh-huh. we're going straight to the, straight to the dog place, yeah. the dog farm. And just for all of you guys out there, because uh, I know this would be like, you should get a dog from the yeah. rescue. I would love to get a dog from the rescue. That would be fantastic. But that being said, I'm going to take this dog hunting with me. So you kind of have to have a well-bred breed. pointer dog that will fetch birds and do that whole thing. And this is not a gross puppy mill. No, it's definitely not. That's what I, I, I would never. Are those things... Oh, you know what trips me out about fucking puppy mills? Cause I've been looking for puppies for about a month now mm-hmm. is they'll take these little baby puppies and they'll dress them up and like put a bow on their head and put them in this little, like clearly like cardboard box that has like a weird background in it and take photos of these dogs and put them on the website. And I'm like, who the fuck is buying dogs from these people? This, this seems like a crazy cat lady who just took it way too far mm-hmm. and has dressed up this little, this little puppy into like a, some stupid ass uniform. I don't know. I don't like those places. It makes Where me very you? upset, but these dogs are super well, like, they're so and they live on a, they like literally live on a farm. a farm. So they're running around everywhere and there's, they, they have, uh, it's crazy that they have pigeons. So they teach these dogs how to bird hunt with pigeons that are trained to fly back. So they have, they like teach them how to point and hunt. Oh, I was wondering that. I forgot to ask that yeah. bird came back. Yeah. It flies oh, back to the weird. roost and goes back inside with the other ones. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we get to see the mama go out and get on point with, uh, like they, it's so crazy when they point at a, at a bird yeah. and then it flies up and then it flies back to the roost. And mm-hmm. it's like this little, like trained pigeons to use for training hunting dogs without having to kill any birds. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. It's a, it's a unique experience, but those dogs get so much. And it was watching them run out in the field was I just know. like, they were so happy and just stoked and running around in the snow. I was, it was a good day. Yesterday was a good day. It was, you know what else is great? Christmas. Christmas was, was fantastic. First- Christmas together. Yeah. And I wasn't planning on talking about this, but then I realized we haven't talked about Christmas yet. And I almost kicked your dog. Um, so we, my family flew in to our house here and then we left them. (laughs) So my brother and his girlfriend and my parents were here. Um, and then we left for four days and we drove down to Graham, Texas, which was about 11 hours each way. And we spent a few days with your family and I had a, a red dirt Christmas. You went full Texas Christmas. I did. The only thing we didn't get to do. So, uh, Kelly's never seen wild pigs before. And if you're from anywhere, I mean, Florida, Louisiana, Texas in the South, and then kind of inching up, not when you get to the mountains, but there's wild, there's a, like a wild boar, wild pig problem. They breed a lot and they're everywhere. So hunting these things is, is imperative to like the ecosystem. And then on Hawaii, same thing. There's tons of pigs and they breed so fast and they can have six pigs every six months. So like you can imagine these things are like rabbits. They're crazy, but they are all over the place. So we were trying to get a, get a pig hunt together. That would be cool, but you did get to see some and they are so, aren't they so much different than, than, than domestic pigs? Well, they're so ugly. They're like big and black and red and yeah, hairy. They're, they're funny so looking. cool looking though. They look like Pumbaa. Yeah, they do. They almost look like a, they look like a warthog. Yeah. Like, like a different kind of warthog. I mean, they're very that. similar. But we saw some, we saw deer, we saw, um, so many horses, so many cattle. Get to hang out with Tony, Tony, the llama, Tony, the llama, who, saw Buffalo. he really, he gets all up in your face and he wants, he just wants to smell your breath. So you got to like blow in his nostrils. It's yeah. so funny. So my stepdad has a, has a farm that has, he's probably got like 20 head of Buffalo out there that free range on the, on a, on a, in a pasture. And then he's got, 
I'd say like five or six horses, a bunch of a bunch of uh, ponies and donkeys. And just just so this crazy stuff. It's just he's a, he's an interesting guy. But it was cool to see that the buffalo are so much different than than cattle. Like they're so much more agile. Seeing a big animal like jump around and hop and uh-huh. that they're super playful. It's very. I mean, they're also mean. They can yeah. be, but. They're, oh man, just imagine, I, I, every time I go out there and see them, I imagine what they were like in the wild back mm-hmm. in the, before Westward expansion and being a, a, the Native Americans just like hunting those things off of a bareback horse with a bow. That's just, that's, that blows my mind. Hearing those stories, looking at that history, just the history of the American Buffalo is just, I know if you're, if you're into history, uh, Steve Ranella has a book about the American Buffalo and I've heard it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I need to read that. So I think that this brings up an interesting topic that is new for me and new for my audience. Um, I've never been one to be into hunting, killing animals. I've hated guns my entire life. And now I am with a purebred Texan. (laughs) And, um, you know, when we went to the ghost town, what was that in like April or May or something? Anyways, earlier this year. And we took some guns out and we went to go shoot and I had a full on freak out. I shot the gun one time and I just started sobbing and I still to this day don't know what it was about, but I freaked out. I was fine with you shooting. Didn't bother me at all, but yeah. And just for context, we were shooting 10, 10 cans. Yeah. 10 cans. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like in a ghost town where there's literally no one. Yeah. And there was no, it wasn't like an animal thing. It was just shooting for fun and practice. Yeah. And so freaked out and I was like, Oh, apparently guns are not for me. And then, um, we had been talking about going to Texas for Christmas for so long and wanting to go shoot. And I was like, I really want to, cause I don't, I don't want to be that scared of it. And I went out and we had so much fun. I shot a bunch of different guns and we were shooting again, like cans and, you know, boxes and, and stuff like that. Um, but I've been grappling with this because for so much of my life, I've just believed guns are bad and they kill people, which they do guns in the wrong hands, kill people. Well, you're, and and you're also, bad things. you're from Southern California, which it, you don't need a gun in Southern California for much, right? right? There's not much, you can't, there's, there's some bird hunting out there, but other than that, most guns that exist in Southern California for recreation and, and, and other things that are much more nefarious. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I get that you can have that association for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, I just have always thought like guns are bad. No one should have guns. And, um, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And now I understand though, being around people, even Colorado, how many people have guns here and hunt and Texas, obviously same thing. It's such a different way of growing up. I mean, you had a gun in your hand at five years old and Mm -hmm. you're out shooting and learning how to hunt and different things like that. It's just not what I grew up with. And I've been really scared to share even the fact that I went out and shot a can, you know, like with my (laughs) audience, because I'm, I'm so nervous about what people will think and will I be judged? And people will, you know, wonder. Um, and on top of that, the idea of killing an animal for me, the more spiritual I've gotten, the more connected with nature I've become, especially through ayahuasca and psilocybin. And, um, I don't, I don't want to, um, sound like high and mighty. I just, want to be connected with the food that I'm eating. And I think something that we've discussed is going out and killing an animal and that be the meat that we eat all year. So we don't order it online Mm -hmm. and we don't go in a store and purchase meat. We eat what we kill. Yeah. And in my head, that makes sense. I'm very scared to talk about that though, because all of a sudden it's like, you are this person in wellness and, you know, spiritual development and sexuality and blah, blah, but you also like go and kill an elk or a deer or a pig and how, how, how I'm trying, I'm wrapping my head around this and I haven't talked about this out loud at all with anyone, including you. Like, how can I be this person, the Kelly that people know, but also this other person who wants to go out and fly fish or wants to go out and hunt and maybe, you know, kill something and then that be the food for the year to have that connection with my food. I don't know. I mean, I can speak from my personal experience as far as I would say like spiritual development and how it's changed my relationship with food and hunting particular. Like, so when I was young growing up, like it was Texas hunting kind of gets uh, gets a bad rap because it's different. It's very flat and you hunt off of like feeders, 
Um, so there's like these corn feeders that, that'll kind of spray out corn every in the morning and the evening. And, and you're essentially just waiting for animals to come eat it, which is, it's kind of, there's not many other ways to do it aside from hunting off of like agriculture fields, like a wheat field or something. Um, which I've also done, which seems, which feels better because it's not like, um, it's not as manufactured. Mm. Uh, not, a, not, a, not necessarily the, the most, I would consider not as most, not the most fun and not as ethical in my, in my opinion. Um, but I, I've done that just that's, that's how you do it in Texas. Uh, and I'm excited to be in Colorado to do it a different way, which is more of a spot and stalk in the animals environment. You're getting to see the, the animals do what they would do if you didn't exist, mm. which is, which is something that's super novel to me and I'm excited about. Um, but you know, there used to be a time when I would, I, I didn't kill a, a ton of animals when I was, or a ton of deer when I was young, but that's really all there was to hunt down there. And we would, I would kill a deer and, you know, take some of the meat and then we would donate the rest to a food shelter or something. But I wasn't as connected to it. Now, when I started, particularly with psychedelics and mushrooms, um, specifically like the, the overwhelming feeling of connection changed things a lot. Like for, I mean, when I shot my first deer, I was like, definitely, I think I cried a little. I was probably 12 or 13. Um, it's sad. And it's always, it never, it never stopped being a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last, the last deer I shot, I remember having this like avatar like moment. Do you remember avatar when she mm-hmm. shoots the wolf things that mm. are like trying to kill him and mm-hmm. she's all sad about it. It was kind of like that, but it was one of those things. The last few that I've killed since I would say since my kind of spiritual transformation, <laughs> if you will, um, where it's become a much different experience. So it, it's done with a lot of gratitude and you also have to understand the ecosystem, like because we exist as humans and we have agriculture, right? So wheat, corn, the deer population has exploded because they have a ton of food and way less predators. Um, so there's more, like, for example, there's more deer, white tailed deer and mule deer on this continent than there were whenever Columbus showed up. Right. And that's the same thing that happened with the Buffalo. You clear a bunch of land and then there's a huge explosion of the population. Buffalo happened the same way. That's why they would like massacre these Buffalo, which was super fucked up. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but it was, that's, that's not how they existed in the wild. We've, we've artificially fucked with the landscape so much that it's like changed the ecosystem. So we have to then be responsible for like managing it in a certain way. And if you see overpopulated deer areas where they don't hunt, like it's not a, it's not a happy, joyful area. Like it's a bunch of emaciated dying before their should before their age dictates that, um, animals, it's really sad. So with all that being considered, like it became this really spiritual experience where uh, thanks to people like Remy Warren and, uh, Steve Rinella, who I follow, who are super connected with this, like utilizing all the meat. So for example, I use the bones. I keep the hides. I, um, anything I can't eat that's edible, right? So tendons, uh, sinew, like trimmings, stuff like that. Uh, that all goes in a, in a big slow cooker and that's, that's my dog's food. So, I mean, there's not really anything that gets wasted aside from like, uh, organs that aren't edible, right? So heart, liver, all that stuff gets, gets either I eat it or Dutch eats it. Um, which is something that I think is, is, is really amazing because I eat meat, right? So if I didn't eat meat, that was, if it was, if I was a pescatarian or a vegetarian or a vegan, that would be a different conversation. And I totally understand the ethics behind that as well, but it became a really different experience where it was, it was sad, but also just this overwhelming sense of gratitude that I haven't really experienced some anywhere else. And it feels as sad as it is. It feels right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, which is interesting. That's why I encourage you to do it. And I don't push you too hard to do it, but I think it's like always kind of prodding to see if it's something that you would be, well open to doing because it is, it's a very unique experience to, to harvest animal, not to kill something, but to, to, to essentially see something from its life, living its life and turning into, uh, the food that you eat. Instead of just walking into whole foods and buying the chicken that's prepackaged and you don't know where it came from and you have no connection to it, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to shame people for how they eat or whatever. That's not, that's not the thing I do it. So I'm just, I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying I want more of a connection. I want to be a part of that process. I want to have that level of gratitude and um connection and love and feel a part of the process rather than just like stepping in at the very end and consuming. Yeah. And what's interesting when you do that is you end up eating less meat. Yeah. It's that's that's a that's a weird transition because you have this you start to look at meat differently. Mm-hmm. 
It's like that was this, right? Beef was a cow. Venison was a deer. You know, <laughs> poultry was a bird. <laughs> it's 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 a different I don't know, it's and then, and then it becomes I get more sad eating animals that I knew weren't didn't have a full what I consider like a full life out doing their thing, mm-hmm. right? And but in places like now it's now it's way more popular like butcher box exists, right? Which does a yeah. good job. Um, Whole Foods labels all their stuff, but if you're shopping at, you know, where most people shop, that's not really an option for you. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. Um, but it's one of those things where it, it's, I feel like it's, it's deeply misunderstood in a lot of ways. And, and even looking at the gun situation, right? Like there's a difference in being like, I'm not by any means a gun advocate. I don't even hunt with guns very often. I'm a, I like to hunt with a bow, but, um, like I think the gun laws are a complete fucking bullshit. Like that needs reform in a huge way. I think gun violence is a huge issue. I don't think guns should be gone, but I think that the, the way that we go about distributing them is nonsensical. Yeah, it's and fucking I, and Oprah I, giving away presents to everyone. It's yeah, like everybody and, gets and a gun. The NRA's impact on our politics is like completely, completely unconstitutional in my opinion. Yeah. Right. So it, you look at this and you're like, I, I don't agree with that situation at all. Right. But I also know people who have upwards of a hundred guns that are like collectors. And I'm like, that dude is the safest person to have those collectors items type of thing. Cause they have a lot of history and it, it, when it's a part of your culture, it's different. You know, like you said, I was shooting at five. I got my first like real, real gun when I was eight, you know, like one that could actually do something that could kill a deer or anything like that. So it was, it's a different to look at that and then also be more on the like progressive liberal side of things and be like, this is, this is, this is bullshit. Right, like you shouldn't be able to be 18 and go buy an assault rifle. I'm sorry, that just shouldn't be a thing without extensive, like mental health and background checks. It just is just one of those things. So it's like there's this weird middle ground where I think it's 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 common sense and and safety, also understanding where people are coming from as far as as hunting culture and and people that have that uh, desire and and that part of their lifestyle. Before we get into the questions that you have for me, the thing that keeps coming up is like being different types of people. So like I was saying, I'm supposed to be, you know, this spiritual leader or whatever, but also hunting. So there's, you have these different parts of your personality or your interests. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we're taught socially is that you are this way, like this is your identity and you can't be like anything else. So you have to stay inside this box. You can't branch out and have other interests. You can't have, um, conflicting interests, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I have really struggled with. Even I was thinking about this yesterday, which is so funny. So I I got my nails done and they're bright blue, like cerulean in the devil wears Prada. That's the (laughs) color of my nails. Ladies, I know you remember that. So anyways, my nails are blue. I for so long have believed that my nails could only be a neutral color and they had to be short because my color palette for the most part is neutral and I'm not a loud, vibrant person. This is the belief in the story that I have in my head. So I won't let myself wear loud clothes or do loud things or be ridiculous because that's not who I am in this box. And yesterday, as I'm picking my nail color, I'm looking at the black and the white and the gray. And I was just like, I want to put a bright color on my nails <laughs> and I go into 2020 almost, hot. Yeah. I almost talked myself out of it. Like you can't do that. So I'm just curious from your perspective, how we are able and feel like permission, I guess, and don't talk ourselves out of doing things that we want to do because it doesn't fit in this clearly defined role person idea of who we are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it makes total total sense. And I think one of the biggest aspects of mindfulness, right? When, when I like put this in the spiritual box, like of mindfulness is understanding that you're a lot of different things and you can have conflicting, seemingly conflicting beliefs. And those probably aren't as conflicting as you, be, you believe that they are. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's, that's a story in itself. But we're a lot of things. And I've said it and I... I steal this from Alan Watts, but we're just wiggly. You know, there's a lot of, there's, there's more wiggle room in our, in our persona than we like to give ourselves credit for. Right. And if you go down that Alan Watts rabbit hole, he talks about even where the word persona came from. Do you know what that, what no. that is? So a persona was, um, and I'm saying that wrong, but in, in, in 
Roman culture, that was the when they would have plays, um, they would have they would wear a mask that had like a you ever see those masks that have like a, a, a almost like a megaphone in the mouth type of thing? No. Well, what it, what a persona is is a mask you put on that projects your voice louder to an audience. They didn't have microphones, oh. right? So a persona is literally like that word means like a mask. That, wow. that, is, that is loud. It's, it's, and it's funny to like track down the origin of these words, mm-hmm. but I think we don't give ourselves enough grace as far as holding contradicting ideas. And I think it's, it's an important part of personal development to understand that you can hold and almost have like a debate with yourself with conflicting ideas to see where you lie. Right. If you can't, if you're religious and you can't consider and understand and empathize with atheism, well then you're close. That's, that's, textbook closed mindedness, right? And if you're atheist and you can't empathize and understand and seek to understand and hold the views of a religious person empathetically, then you're closed minded. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that holding that within yourself and not accepting, not having openness to experience is what I talk about in my coaching programs is that openness to experience of your past, present, future gives you so much insight into who you actually want to be. And that conflicting that, that, dichotomy, right. Of holding things that people and people get that. I get that a lot. And I've kind of always been this way where it's like, I have like being a meathead, right? Like, um, what is Emily, Emily Schramm calls her podcast, this uh, meathead hippie, right? Where it's like, I'm into spiritual and personal growth and I'm also a bro in a certain sense, right? It's like this duality. I think that conflict, internal conflict, uh, it can be a struggle for you, but it's also very fascinating for other people to, to experience that because it's an example of, of a diversity as far as your own personal understanding and belief systems, mm-hmm. which is really, really fun. Mm-hmm. That like makes, that makes life a lot more fun because it, it infuses uh, curiosity, like a healthy curiosity and a healthy discernment um, when you come to accepting new things. Cause the fact is there's things outside of yourself, outside of your boundaries of experience that you enjoy and love that you've never even tried before. Mm-hmm. And you don't, maybe don't even know they exist, right? We're all going to die. Everybody listening to this podcast is going to die having not done things that they would have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So why don't we make that list of things that you don't do <laughs> that you would have loved as small as possible throughout your life. Mm-hmm. That becomes like a fun game to play, mm-hmm. but it, it does, it, it does bring up like this inner conflict that you're talking about. Well, it's like getting my nose pierced on my birthday. I've wanted to get my nose pierced for a couple years now. And I kept saying, I'm not cool enough. I will look stupid. Like that is not Kelly. Yeah. And then I went and did it. And I had a minor freak out and I felt like I looked so, like I looked so dumb. And then two <laughs> days later I was like, oh my God, I love my nose. I love right. my nose sparkles. And I was like, why did I talk myself out of this for two years when one, it's really not that big of a deal. I can take it out anytime I want. I make everything such a big fucking deal. And it's like, <laughs> geez, Louise, it is a nose ring or it is a nail color. It lasts for however long you want it to last. And why do we create stories of saying we can't do a thing? Like wh- why? Why? That's really well, what it comes I mean, down it's to. It's safer. I really. Get, yeah, it's it's being safe and it's well, and it's not also putting it's, yourself out there. It's an energetic investment. You yeah. know, it's like it's like where do you want where do you want to consciously say like, hey, that's like where I want to I want to put a you know subset a certain amount of what I call fucks. Right, you only have so many fucks to give. Mm-hmm. Right, so do I want to give a few fucks to like trying new things? Mm-hmm. Right, or do I want to invest all my fucks into like work and making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to both, but it is this, it's, 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 that's, that's high quality discernment in my opinion. It's like, can I discern like where I want to put my energy? Do I have enough of an understanding of myself where I can discern where my energy goes and how many fucks I want to give about trying out a new nail color or nose piercing, or maybe, maybe going out and seeing if I can like pull the trigger on harvesting an, an animal. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are all things like things that you maybe not have ever considered doing, but it could be something that you feel an immense amount of like just exploration and growth from. Well, but it's also, I've already decided before I've done the thing I've never done that I'm not going to like it or that the outcome is going to be bad. So I'm like, Nope, yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. And I've had a few of those experiences this year where I've like said, no, I can't do that. No, I won't do that. And then I go do it. And I was like, Oh, I really liked that. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. And it's kind of a mind fuck. I think that leads us to our first question from your, from your peoples. Hit me baby. All right. Laura H writes in <laughs> Laura H Laura H I'm doing it like, um, like the bachelorette. Oh, nice. <laughs> also, I just don't like, don't like pronouncing people's last names. I'll blow it. Um, actually, you know what? We're going to skip this. One. We're going to come back to this one. Okay. 
because this is more relevant to where we're at right now. Nicole M. Nicole M. writes in and says, what are the most difficult things you have had to practice acceptance around? <sighs> she also has a follow-up question, but we'll start there. What are the most difficult things that you've had to practice acceptance around, Keldog? I think the understanding of not having control. Yeah. And that was that was really the theme for me this year was things were unfolding in ways that I didn't plan for and never anticipated happening. And my intention for 2019 was I surrender. So every day in my journal, I would write, I surrender, dear universe, I surrender. And I, I'm so glad I did that because I, I think that everything, whether it was, uh, my last relationship ending or going to do ayahuasca for the first time, meeting you, um, changing the podcast, putting on my first huge event, coming forward about my sexual assault. All of those things require a level of surrender because I just didn't know what was going to happen and I had to let go of control. And I think six or eight months into this year, I finally realized that control is an illusion and I never had it. So, you know, I even said to my mom when she was here for Christmas, I was like, I look back at my life and I'm like, why did I try so hard to control everything? Because everything happened the way it was going to happen. And I was trying to meddle and micromanage every, every second of my life when it just kept going and kept happening. And the more I've surrendered this year, the more I've been, uh, shown what I need to see and have allowed to create space for things or different experiences. And yeah, I think that has been the hardest thing for me to accept is I don't have control and that's okay. So what, you know what, I'm gonna ask this next question and then we'll, then I'll get into mine about that. What have you done that scared you um, hang on. <laughs> this is so funny. What have you done that scared you the most and was the outcome tangible or intangible? Um, and I think this is just, let's just talk about just 2019 because so much has happened. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. Cause I was going to say quitting my job, but that was 2018. Yeah. I think we've covered that. What have I done <laughs> that scared me the most? Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of something, but I'm not ready to say that on the podcast. <laughs> That's a 2020 admission. Um, still working on my courage over here, guys. I don't know. Like, I would say ayahuasca, but that wasn't scary for me. Yeah. The, like being like during the process was extremely scary. I saw some things that were so fucking scary. But the whole time I was just kind of like, I know I'm okay. Like I intentionally surrendered. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. Can you think of what was the scariest no, thing No, I mean, I think the sexual assault stuff was pretty wild. Oh yeah. Coming forward about that. And yeah, I was shaking a lot. You're right. Yeah. I think for me. That was right. That was pretty, that was pretty gnarly. Well, that was hard because you didn't know anything until a few days before. Yeah, like you I got, I got, that was you a pretty intense week on my, of my life. Yeah. You didn't know anything. And we had just, we'd been together for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Literally a month. Sweet timing. And I said, I came to you and I said, Hey, I got to tell you something because this is about to be public. And I told you the whole story and you're like, okay. And I said, um, this is about to, to, be like big news and I know what's going to happen and um you know you need to know and this is you know this is what's about to come down the pipe and here's the procedures and you know got you looped in on the whole thing and and then all of a sudden it was time and you know things leaked to TMZ before we were prepared for it and then the next day I was doing a national news conference with every major outlet and I was on, you know, today's show, Good Morning America, CNN. 
and talking about very personal things, um, that had really impacted my life. And I shook so much that entire time. (laughs) I I don't, the only other time I've ever like shook that much, I think was when I quit my job because it was so scary. I was doing something speaking of contradictory. I was doing something so contradictory to who I'd always been. I was never the person to, to defy someone or to, um, come forward about something like that because that's not what I was taught. I was taught to do as you're told, be quiet, like let people do what they want to do. And you just respond the way you respond as a woman. That's what you do, especially in that business. And so I think for me, it was having such faith in myself to know that I was doing the right thing for myself and the people around me and women that I really care about and to speak my truth. Speaking my truth has been so hard because I'm so scared to be judged, scared to say the wrong thing, scared to sound stupid, uh, scared to disappoint people. And in that, I did a lot of those things. I disappointed a lot of people. I lost a lot of friends, a lot of people that I love. And I was called so many horrible names and death threats and terrible things. And looking back at it, it was the scariest thing, but it was also the most like relieving and good thing I could do because it was true to myself. Mm -hmm. And I no longer had to live with a lie that I was keeping is what it felt like. Yeah. So, so what do you think in this, this kind of dovetails nicely, but like the, the giving up control or I would say like more openness to what there is out there for you. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of doing this, this big thing that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like what is, what's been the downstream result of that now? Um, I, my skin is a lot thicker. I don't care as much about what people say. <laughs> like I've been called every name under the sun and people have told me I should kill myself and that they want to kill me. So for me, I'm like, okay, the people that love me and know me and, and respect me had their response and that's all that matters. Everyone else can go shove it. Um, so it really helped me in that way. And it also helped me trust myself to know that I can do hard things. Do I want to come forward about shit like that and be on CNN every day? No, like that's not what I'm here for, (laughs) but it proved to me that I can do really hard things and that I can speak up for myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't speak up for myself for most of my life. And it was such a change in the way I viewed my own strength and my own ability to stand up for what I know is right. I like it. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. I'm satisfied with that answer. I appreciate that. Am I interviewing you well? You are, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Laura H. Let's get back to Laura H.'s question here. Okay. It says, what were you like in high school? Popular, nerd, sports girl, rebel, or a combination of all of them? I definitely wasn't a rebel. <laughs> except for the one time when Austin Eckerd and I were making out on the street corner of my cul-de-sac and ooh, did I get in trouble? I was like four, 13 or 14, a freshman year. Wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend. Just out there hoeing it up. And we, I was hoeing it up in T town <laughs> on the street corner. My dad comes driving by. Oh Lord almighty. I got it. Um, so I wasn't a rebel. I was, I was the best athlete in my city. I was a top five athlete in the country. No pressure. Or volleyball player in the country. I was on the cover of volleyball magazine. I won multiple national championships. My team won CIF. Um, everyone knew who I was. So, and I only say all that because you would think that that would make me popular, but it did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was also like one of the best students in the school. I was being recruited by, you know, Stanford, USC, Pepperdine, Texas, UCLA, top schools. Every school in the country was offering me full rides and I had incredible grades and I was in student council and I did community service and I never did anything wrong and all these things. I had a small group of friends. The popular girls hated me and I didn't like them because I didn't understand them. Um, I was a lot more mature and just more focused than most people my own age. So I didn't get along with a lot of people. And 
I think that back then I was extremely judgmental. So anyone that wasn't like me, I didn't understand. And I think that pushed a lot of people away. And I was also definitely like a know-it-all and bossy and told people what to do. And I, I loved being in control. It made me feel safer because I never felt safe. But that doesn't really lend you to having friends or people really liking you. Even when Andrew and I were together, when we were 16, he was on the football team. We would go to the Friday night party after the football game. I never drank. I never stayed out late. We never did anything wrong. Um... And so I just wasn't fun. Yeah. I was bullied. I was very bullied, um, which I think really isolated me a lot. I had girls, you know, telling me to kill myself and saying really mean things, toilet paper in the house, um, shutting off the power to my house, uh, trashing my car. So I think that really contributed to feeling like I was never cool enough or good enough or like I didn't belong. So I... I had a really tough time in high school and middle school. I mean, I talk about this all the time, but I skipped seventh grade because I was suicidal and never felt like I fit in. And I think that that continued. I don't think I was suicidal at all in high school, but I definitely never felt good enough and I never, never felt like I belonged. So I think that just kind of continued through that. Yeah. It's weird to live on the margins a little bit. Mm hmm. Odd, it's an odd feeling. Yeah, <laughs> but now at 32, I'm like, oh, it's cool. Like I'm glad I'm. I yeah, don't it's fit it's, in. it's character development and a little the sitcom of your life. <laughs> because honestly, I think about now too. If you're authentic to who you are, do you really fit in? Because if you're trying to fit in, or you do, that kind of means that you're acting like other people or trying to be someone you're not in order to be liked or accepted. If you're just authentic to who you are, you attract more weirdos like you, mm -hmm. but it's not about fitting in. I feel like it's really different. Yeah. Like you find your tribe and your people in your community, but you, none of those people are trying to fit in. You're all just authentically mm -hmm. expressing, expressing who you are. So then there's just a genuine connection. Yeah. But you don't know how to do that in high school. No, it's not a high school thing to do. No. I mean, people, some people got, could handle it, but it, I think it was even then it's like, I don't know the desire to fit in. I think you have to, I think you have to sometimes want to fit in if you don't do it, if you're not good at it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at it, but I think you had to want it, want it till you get tired of wanting it. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, fuck this. Oh yeah. That's you definitely just where get, I've get over it. You're like, okay, I'm over this now. That's this doesn't really work or get what you wanted and realize it wasn't all that great, which is kind of my experience. Well, that's why quitting my job was so important. Cause that, that represented me trying to fit in and do other things than people please. Mm -hmm. And when I left that, I was like, Oh, I don't have to fit in. I can yeah. do things on my terms, which is why I'm revamping the show. So in about a week and a half, you guys are going to get another version of this. <laughs> I'm not going to say more than that. Um, but it's just like, being okay with that change and not fitting in and knowing that I can do something different. I'm not going to have a podcast like other people. I'm not going to try and fit into the wellness space. I don't believe that I fit inside of this box of uh -huh. wellness. Yeah. I just had a really weird feeling. Good. Like I kind of just left my body. Oh that God. was really scary. Such a I've never felt that before. Sure. <laughs> not like that. I was, as I was talking about that, it was like, I don't know. Are something didn't changed. Drink too much coffee. No, I had barely a cup. Okay. Okay. It's just your period. It's your period. Exorcism. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bleeding the demons out. Yeah. Okay. The dark, the dark spirits. Um. All right. Let's change gears a little bit. Okay. I'm excited to hear your take on this. All right. Do you think there's such a thing as toxic femininity? Fuck yeah, I do. Try working in sports. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I'm whatever. I was going to say, I'm probably going to get some haters and backlash for this, but fuck you guys. If you want to argue with me, I'm here for <laughs> it, but I'm really not going to worry about it. Literally fuck everybody. Um, care. yeah. One, I just talked about toxic femininity that I fucking dealt with in high school. Girls are bitches in high school because we're so insecure that we then project all of our shit on other people. We feel like we're not good enough. We're not worthy. We're not valuable. Our boobs aren't big enough. Our legs aren't thin enough. Our ass isn't big. Enough. Like whatever the trend is, we don't have it. So we're going to hate on everybody else. Yeah. And that's why girl on girl bullying is so horrible because we go to these depths of wrath to be mean to other women Yeah. in order to break them down. Because if she has something, it means I don't. Instead of 
she has that, which then in an abundant mindset, you think, oh, there's access to that. I could have that too. Or great. She's an amazing volleyball player. That's wonderful for her. I'm an amazing ice skater. Great for me. Or we're both great volleyball players and we do things differently. And why can't that be cool? So it has taken me almost 32 years to understand this because I did the same thing. I hated other women. I always like judged them and felt so insecure. And I still have those moments because I'm human and that's part of the deal of feeling not good enough. And if she has something, then I feel like I am less than or not good enough. Women, I think oftentimes get to a point and it's in your thirties and your forties when you're like, I don't have enough fucks to give. I've given so many for so long. Now I don't have enough. So I'm going to stop caring about this because I'm putting so much energy into worrying about what that girl over there is doing or what she has rather than just focusing on myself, doing my thing and being super happy for her. But it takes so long for us to have this realization that we've been wasting our time, breaking each other down. And we can spend our time so much more productively supporting one another. And that's how we all rise together. And I also believe, and this is, I guess, you know, toxic femininity can cover a lot of things, but this man hating that we do as quote unquote feminists, I can't handle. Men are not bad. Some men are bad. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I've learned anything in the last, you know, 10 years of my career, working with almost all men and a handful of women, Some men are bad. Some men will assault you. Some men don't respect you. Some men will tell you to fuck off or not give you the time of day when you're trying to telling you to fuck off is like, just isn't necessarily bad. Right. But I'm, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Expression of boundaries. But 90% of them are kind and will step up when they need to and be thoughtful and talk to you like a normal human and be respectful and all of those things. Same thing with women. I had incredible women who mentored me and took care of me and gave me the keys to the fucking interview castle. And I had other women who tried to get me thrown out of events and get me fired. So there's always going to be bad people out there. But when we generalize and say all men are bad, fuck men, they don't get it. We're really hurting ourselves here. We're not helping ourselves at all. So I think that as women who support other women, you don't, again, it's like this We can't live in the gray area, right? If you support women, you have to bash men. No, if you support women, keep toxic men out and let them learn their lesson, but band together with good men. Like, otherwise, what are we doing? I feel like that's accurate. Does that answer the question? No, I think that totally answers the question. I mean, I think that... Um, because of the, just the distribution of power is disproportionately male focused. Um, the consequences of like toxic masculinity are much more scrutinized. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost probably more, I would say more damaging on a large scale, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, yeah, I've seen a lot of women kind of sacrifice themselves for the sake of looking and being what people want them to be. Which is, that's a pattern that gets learned early on too. And I feel like it's sad. It's sad to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a girlfriend that was like, it was the hardest thing to watch. It was like, dude, come on. Like, you don't got to play this game. <laughs> You're better than that. And it's just, it's sad to say like, oh, you, like you, you know, some people maybe need to do that in order to get to be successful in some arena. But I don't know. It was just, it was hard. It's hard. It really is hard to watch as somebody who really wants, you know, the most for w- women to be able to stand up for themselves and be asserted and feel respected um, to see somebody like disrespecting themselves in that way. Mm-hmm. That's really sad. And I think it's, a, I think it's it, the, the toxic femininity, femininity piece is a product of lacking. It's just a lot of self-respect. I think is where that comes from. I never liked myself. But that being said, I've like, no, I've, I've known strippers that have like respect for themselves. It's, right. just, it's like, it doesn't, it's it doesn't not about, it's not what about do. what you do in that way. It's like, it's not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, it, it's, it comes up in different ways. I never liked myself. So why would I like other people? Yeah. That's literally what it comes down to. If you're listening to this and all you do is bash on other women and are jealous of them, 
don't fucking look at them. Look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like yourself? And I'm going to guarantee you it's from zero to two. You don't like yourself. You're ashamed. You're carrying shame around something. Mm-hmm. You feel bad about who you are. You're not worthy. All of these stories you tell yourself. So you don't like other people. Yeah, exactly. Last question. This is, this is looking forward into the future. I want you to project into your future. <sighs> okay. Let me get my crystal ball out. I know. Rub that crystal over there. Witchy Kelly. Which I'm, gonna, I'm going full witchy in 2020. Just warning full witch? y'all. Okay. Um, what are you most scared of in 2020? Oh, that's coming up that you have on that, that you have on the docket. That's ready, ready to roll. I mean, what am I most scared of? The thing that I kept thinking about yesterday was this idea of being unfiltered. Um, and I felt like, during my lawsuit, I couldn't say much. Yeah. And so this year I feel like I've had to really filter myself a lot. I'm going full fucking unfiltered in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm super excited about it because it's the content that I want to share. It's authentic to who I am. And I feel like it's going to help a lot of people because I think that so many people are so filtered and they're only showing you the good stuff. And I think something that I like that I do is that I share with you in the moment what I'm grappling with in my head, because what I have learned is that when people share from that space, not when they're on the other side and have fully comprehended Mm -hmm. it, that you feel better going through that yourself. I, I look at people that seem so together and really enlightened or awakened and they'll talk about things and it'll be so far behind them that it's really tough to relate. And I think what I like about myself is that I am not afraid to talk about things in the moment, even if it's something that you and I are fighting about or what something we're struggling with, because at the end of the day, so many people are grappling with the same issues. And if they only see the finished product, Mm-hmm. then they'd feel like they're doing something wrong or that they don't know what to do. And I just really believe in connecting in a very raw and unfiltered way. So I am really excited about that. But even as we were talking about our new endeavor together and saying, okay, we're going to talk about these things and this and this topic and whatever, I'm really scared that people are not going to like me. And that this fully open and aware and curious version of me is not going to be accepted. And that's really scary because I feel like I'm really putting myself out there. And of course I want people to like me. I'm a person, but (laughs) I'm a person, I'm a person, but I know that some people are not going to fully accept that. And so that's, that's scary. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's, what's like weighing a little bit on me right now is if I fully fall in, if I fully let go and surrender and be who I want to be, will I be rejected? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course you will by some people, mm-hmm. but that's the thing about, that's one thing about this, this, this self-expression game, right? Um, is that it's actually really nice if people have to make it, in my opinion, that if people have to make a decision about you, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you get people who like you or love you or they don't like you or they fucking hate you. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, right? But at least people know where they stand with you versus being indifferent. The last thing I want people to do is be indifferent about me. That's not fun. It's like, you can fucking hate me all you want. That's fine. Yeah. And I deserve it because I'm kind of a douche, right? So it's like, I get, I get that. But I had, I had a boss tell me this one time. That's why he liked me. And I, I was, you know, my first um, real like coaching job and that career was was one of the best one of the best in the in the country like not many people got it and I was the youngest um what they call it an anchor coach at my at my gym and it was the biggest gym in the country at the time as well so it was like doing really well and we got paid very well to do it and that was unheard of in the in that community um but my, I didn't like my CEO very much the owner of the gym um which he was he had several businesses he was like a legitimate CEO not like a gym owner that called himself a CEO mm-hmm. and he was like you know Connor one thing I like about you is people know when they don't like you. 
<laughs> I was like, he's like, but some people fucking love you, man. Which <laughs> is one of those things. I was like, that's, and that's, I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nice place to be. And I think he had actually learned that from Gary Vaynerchuk was like, mm-hmm. people need to fucking either like you or don't like you, but they need to make be able to make a decision because mm-hmm. there's no, there's no power in indifference. Yeah. Right. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. So the, being this vanilla safe, you know, don't want to steal second base type person. Like that's not, I feel like I led my whole life from that space and I don't want to be vanilla. I'm not vanilla. There are so many layers to me and things that I have not yet said or expressed or shared. And that's all part of who I am and exploring that and really getting into it and being unafraid and unapologetic about who I am. Um, I'm really, really excited about, and I think that it's really important. And that's just kind of where I am in my journey and yeah. taking that step in order to really fulfill what I feel I'm meant to do here. Well, here's to pissing some people off in 2020, Kelly. Woo, woo, baby. Kill dog 2020. Well, <laughs> keep your ears peeled, kids, because in about a week or so, like I said, things are a changing. Really exciting announcements coming from Connor and I over the next month or so. She's not pregnant. And I'm not pregnant. <laughs> we will have a new baby in the house, though, with our new pup. Um, Remy. Yeah. Remy's the dog's name, by Remy the way. Is the so dog's if you want to start, yeah, keeping R-E-M-I. tabs on Remy. We need, a, we need a good hashtag. Yeah. I guess I'm going to have to change Dutch's Instagram handle to Remy and Dutch. You need to go ahead and do that. Remy and Dutch Wander. Yeah. So cute. It's going to be a duo, duo account, joint account. They're going to have a joint Instagram account. I love that. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I wanted to get one last show in, uh, and Connor came up with this idea to do a little Q and a and have him interview me. Uh, we also have tons of stuff to give away and send you presents. So if you have a second and you have not yet done this, please head over to Apple podcasts, leave a five-star review. Let me know what you think of the show and send me a uh, DM with a screenshot of your review. And I will send you all the no dick pics. Who's that on here? Can I pick a random one? Tell them to send a dick pic. Girls love that. Especially when it comes out of nowhere with like zero context. <laughs> and we will leave you with that. <laughs> Bye, y'all.